Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome to another exciting episode of That's Truth. As usual, I'm Nathan Owens and I'm sitting in the studio of the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. Sitting across the broadcast desk from me is Pastor Dr. David Murphy. Good evening, Pastor. Uh, Good evening, Brother Nathan, and very good evening to those who might be listening to the program. We are very thankful that you have taken time out of your Tuesday evening routine. I know that it seems like with every passing day, every passing year, Pastor, we get busier and busier and busier, and we really appreciate you taking time out of your Tuesday evening routine to join us here on That's Truth. It is Tuesday evening. It's 7.33 in our studios and across the Eastern Caribbean, and we're going to start out the episode tonight with a question that came in, Pastor, uh, after the program last week uh, via WhatsApp from St. Kitts. An individual sent in a video which is entitled, Is Donald Trump Protecting Noah's Ark? And I'm going to just give a real brief summary of the video. It's uh, on YouTube. It's by Marcus Rogers. And again, it's titled, Is Donald Trump Protecting Noah's Ark? And his premise or one of his statements was that Trump, although he's not a Christian man, was put in the position of president of the United States by God and God allowed him to be president in order to give America another chance to repent and rebuild. Now it's like a 38-minute video, so there is a lot of information he shares in there. Pastor, uh, the listener is asking whether you agreed with the information that was shared. You can just kind of share some of the highlights that stood out to you. Well, I I listened to the video, and um, I thought the— most of what the guy said, I am in agreement with his sentiments. Uh, I know it's a very controversial subject to be talking about because the whole world is polarized over Donald Trump. Uh, but the reality is that uh, it is very, very clear that God appoints leaders of world governments. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no doubt in my mind that that happened in case of Obama and it happened in case of Trump for two different reasons. Uh, my view is that for Obama, basically, it was to push the gay agenda, which um, I don't think anybody could ever doubt that the, the gay lifestyle and the acceptance of this uh, type of lifestyle would have been accepted, except he'd been used to to uh, promote that, and he went across to globe promoting it. Uh, but also the allowing uh, Russia to get back into the Middle East. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that without if he was not there, Russia would not have gone in, because what, when Russia went in, she went in very secretly. But that is part of the Bible prophecy of um, the alliance of Russia with the Arab nations coming against Israel. So I, I, I saw that, and um, I felt that was what happened. In case of Donald Trump, I think nobody in the world thought Donald Trump would win. Let's be very honest. It's a miracle that he won. Uh, I, I just heard uh, somebody said, I think it's the same guy, said that there was nobody more qualified as a woman 
to be president, looking at her dossier, her qualifications, her training, her experience. And it's miraculous that he was appointed and became uh, the president. And I think that is true as well. I, I think that nobody has protected Christianity more than Donald Trump. You can call him a rogue, you can call him whatever you, a scam, a scam whatever it is. But he has peeled back a lot of the laws of America that will have taken rights from believers. Um, and I think that he is there for that particular purpose. I also think that uh, the gentleman said that uh, this virus uh, probably um, was came at the time where it gives people enough time now to really reflect uh, with a view towards repentance. I, I don't know the mind of God in regard to this, 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 but it made a lot of sense to me that we've had two or three months. Mm-hmm. Nobody could have ever perceived that we would have had two or three months to really not be engaged in our normal work, et cetera, et cetera, and had time to think. To, to, to get away with the family, et cetera, et cetera. I think that was a moment for our to be, for us to reflect on our lives, on our homes, on our families, on our nation, on our future. Uh, and I think that, in, in a sense, if you take the two together, that he has helped to... Uh, and when he, when he says that uh, defend the Ark, he compares the Ark and the Tower of Babel. The Ark is Christianity. The Tower of Babel is humanism and ungodliness. And that's why he used the word protecting the Ark. Uh, and I think that when I listened to the guy, I never heard him before. Uh, his name is Marcus Rogers. Um, I found that he's a very fluent, very charismatic. Uh, I think he's very, very coherent as well. The only misgiving I had is the fact that he kept talking about God showing him certain things. I've heard people use that phrase a lot, and you've got to be very careful. If he said the Bible, uh, you know, showed me or something. But I guess it's a reframe that he keeps coming back together because I've been so... Um, Frequently, I've so frequently heard that expression. It means it's a meaningless expression, but it's supposed to give authority and credibility to what you're saying. That was my only mishap, um, that he kept going back to that as though he had some special door to God and God was speaking to him directly on these matters. Uh, but I would uh, say I have no problem with the, the video. Um, the lady who thinks she was concerned about her son would receive it as well. Um, Based on this video, I would not in any way uh, discourage my son from listening to another video of this person. I really think that he is uh, biblical in what he says. Uh, That is up to what I heard. I I don't know what will come after. Right. Uh, But I am saying as far as this video is concerned, first time I've heard him, um, I agree with uh, the vast majority of his sentiments. I can't think of anything I disagree with except this refrain he keeps going back to that God showed him and God showed him. Other than that, I thought it was a, a, a real outstanding video. One that, by the way, if you've got bias and prejudice, um, you are going to find it offensive. But the thing about it, that he's a black man, so he's not a, a white person saying these statements. So I think it would carry over much easier with the uh, people in the Caribbean than if it perhaps came from somebody else of a different complexion. But I, I agreed with a lot what, what he said. Pastor, he made a comment in the video about the a fact that he believed that every prophet in the Bible was involved in politics to some degree, but we in modern Western Christianity have started, at least in America, he's speaking to America, have started to separate Christianity affects this and compartmentalizing life. Would you agree with that, that Christianity should affect every area? Yeah, look, I, I kind of agree with him to some extent, but you've got to be very careful. Uh, we're not living in a theocracy, like Israel was living in a theocracy, where the prophet basically was the right-hand man of the king, okay. basically. Uh, and the prophets did speak to the nation, 
uh, and, and, and deliver the message to the nations. I, I think that pastors should do that. I think preachers should do that. What I'm against is getting involved in the politics of the, the times. In other words, running for office so that you become a minister of government and you can't devote yourself to the study of the word and preaching of the word. You're against the pastor running for office. Yeah, I'm against But not pastor. against no, a Christian. No, I think every, if I was an unbeliever and I had, uh, I felt gifted in that area, I would be more uh, than ever emboldened to try to get into politics of some kind, to try to change the society in the direction in which the nations are going. Uh, I see nothing wrong with that. But I don't think it's a job of a pastor who's called to the ministry to be engaged in those kind of activities. But I think the lay people in the church uh, ought to get involved. I keep telling people, um, had not men like laymen like uh, Wilberforce and Granville Sharp and those kind of guys in the Parliament of England, had they not engaged in the uh, politics, I'm not too sure uh, if um, slavery would have lasted much longer. Let me put it that way. I think eventually would have ended. But it's the influence of those men uh, in those positions and using their moral clout and especially bringing the Bible against the conscience of the nation of that time that turned back the whole uh, um, atrocity of slavery and was able to bring about the emancipation. So I'm for people getting involved in those kind of things. But politics is a dirty game. you got to be prepared to go into politics and maybe serve one term. Uh, you can't sell your soul just for election and to, 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 to remain in power because there are a lot of things that need changing and clearly the, the, the majority of people are not for a lot of what Christians would hold to. But if you go in there as a, as a, as a person who is a Christian, you can't separate your Christianity from any aspect. If you're going to banking, that carries over into your banking uh, in terms of your honesty, your integrity, etc., etc. If you're going to, if you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, your Christianity colors everything you do. It, it, it matters that you're Christian because you should be a better doctor than the average person, a better nurse than the average person. You should be a better, uh, if you're a, a better politician, if you're a, 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 a politician. Your Christianity is supposed to affect every area of your life. And I do not uh, believe that the American government is correct in saying that and there should be a total separation from Christianity and, and uh, politics. If they mean by that that the, the, the state should not support the church, any church, I agree with that. But it's to, to, to mean that, for that to mean that a person who is a Christian and a politician cannot bring uh, his religion into the political arena, especially when they're debating and bring biblical principles, I think that's a, a, a fallacy, it's a mistake. And I don't think you can look at uh, American history without discovering that Christianity has played a profound influence in the whole history of America. And it's a mistake to just to think you can radically separate the two and they can't interact or intermingle between each other. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. It takes place live every Tuesday evening from 7.30 until 9 p.m. and then rebroadcast on Saturday at 3.30 in the evening in the afternoon. So if you have something come up, an agreement or a meeting you have to go to uh, later in the program, you can tune in to Caribbean Radio Lighthouse on Saturday afternoon and pick up the rebroadcast of the program. Or you can go to the podcast. Just go to Google and type in That's Truth Podcast. And it pops up on a number of different podcast providers, uh, Google Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcast. You choose your favorite 
uh, podcast provider, click on the link, and you can listen to all previous episodes. Uh, Tonight is the 120th episode, and they are categorized by different topics. We've done series. Maybe you're looking for a series on... uh, what different cults teach and or maybe you're struggling with pornography or you know someone who's struggling with pornography or trying to come over overcome a an affair or marital uh, issues there are programs episodes that will apply to each of those topics pastor had a listener who called in and is wants you to expound a little bit on a statement you made earlier in reference to the video How is it that Pastor Murphy believes that Obama was put in place to push the gay agenda? Well, I think he was uh, used by the uh, politicians in America. No other president could have pushed the gay agenda. And uh, the problem was that here's the dilemma that Americans are faced with. Uh, We are not so much faced with it in the Caribbean. But you cannot criticize a black president. If you criticize a black president, it means that you're racist. Uh, and and you can't. The other thing you can't criticize a woman either. Otherwise, you're sexist. So what has happened? If you want, uh, if the politicians want a particular agenda, which is the gay agenda, by the way, that uh, that's been trying to be pushed for a long time, is the social agenda of the Western countries, including Europe, uh, all these European countries. Uh, America was the holdout. I don't know if you know that. Uh, Europe has led the world in in this thing for a long time. And uh, America was the holdout. But how do you get this now? Um, how do you get America transformed into this kind of a society that legalizes um, homosexuality and normalizes it? You need a leader. And you cannot criticize. For example, I believe that if another person was there as president, you would have had a lot of people criticizing when he was pushing the gay agenda. But if they had done that, they would just say he was doing it because he was racist. I really believe that, honestly. I think that that was a ploy. Well, probably it's not, um, probably it's, it's song too strong to make the statement that he was appointed for that purpose. But uh, what I was say, what I really, what I really meant is that uh, in order for there to get this um, homosexual agenda and this transgender agenda and this gender, this gender issue uh, pushed on the American public and become acceptable and become legalized, you had to find somebody who could push it and you couldn't criticize them. And that's what I mean. I think that they saw that this was part of the plan, that we want to push this thing, but we need somebody that we uh, can get behind us and that we can get behind and that uh, people be reluctant to criticize. And that's what I meant. And I really think he was used that way. By the way, have you ever noticed um, that... um, they had him calling the guy who was a gay uh, uh, when he was the president. Uh, when this guy came and exposed he was gay within the, I think it was in the NHL or the, and the, or the uh, NBA. Uh, do you ever notice that when they're pushing these guys to, to get this thing legalized, they bring up these black celebrities who are engaged in this activity? Why do you think that is so? Because if that, uh, you can't criticize them. If you criticize them, it's racism. But if it was a, a white person that had come up and was uh, making this kind of claims, it wouldn't carry the same weight. And uh, people would criticize them left and right. And I think that is part of fostering this. Uh, look, if you don't know there's an evil power behind politics, that there's a, a, a devilish scheme to bring about a, a world as it's becoming, uh, a world like the days of Noah. Uh, if you don't, and, and like the days of Sodom, if you don't know that, you don't know Bible prophecy. It's not just human beings behind this whole system. There's an evil m- uh, mind behind it that is has an overall plan. 
to bring about a state that once existed that caused God to destroy planet Earth. And the Bible says as it was in those days, it shall return to it. So there's a mastermind behind even politics. And we Christians need to peel back the layers from our eyes and the blindness from our eyes and understand that this is not just human agency. This is a satanic agency behind these world powers bringing about an agenda. Uh, and that's what I mean. But I, I, have no, I make no apologies about that because I really feel very strongly that uh, that's the case. Pastor, in my understanding, you're right to say that there's a mastermind behind the push to use politically correctness in order to manipulate uh, politics and our everyday life. I have no doubt about that myself. Uh, the, the problem is that we see the battle as a flesh and, blo- uh, flesh and blood battle. That's not what the battle is all about. Uh, any movement in politics that is anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-morality uh, is not just human agents behind this. It's an overall global plan, a mastermind. If you read the book of Daniel, uh, I would challenge anybody to read Daniel chapter number 10, uh, where it is very clear that there are um, demonic beings behind human governments controlling those governments. And these are world powers we're talking about. Uh, It is there very, very clearly. And there's a a war going on in the political realm, not just in the personal realm and in the ecclesiastical realm. It's also going on in the political realm. But it's all behind the scenes. It's the invisible warfare that the Bible talks about. And it's not just a human flesh and blood uh, battle that's going on. Uh, And it's not just between presidents of different nations. There are forces behind those nations propelling them to move in certain directions. Thank you very much to the gentleman who called in and asked that question. We appreciate your interaction here on That's Truth. If you have a question, you can call and be put live on the air. The phone number is one 462 7420 Or you can WhatsApp or text your question to 268 782 Nathan, could I interject here? Uh, I just want to refer to the gentleman again in the question. Let me just look. I was here in Antigua when uh, President Obama sent down a team from Howard University yeah. uh, to promote the the gay agenda. I was there. I was in the con- in, in the conference myself, uh, and I was also aware that he had gone to Africa and he went to Jamaica. Now Jamaicans don't make fun about this kind of thing. You, you, they, they're <laughs> just want people that that don't have any taste for this. Uh, th- is it Jamaican? You, you can't get that way in Jamaica. And he went to Africa, uh, sent down somebody. And now, by the way, even Trump, uh, because now the gay was in the going into the area of the Democratic Party. Now Trump has has con- got a counterpart where there's a guy that um, uh, I forgot his name. He's now been given the same job to promote this thing among all the nations to get them to legalize it as well. So it's politics. It is. Mm-hmm. It started with Obama, but it continues with Trump. So there's no real difference. It's all about power. It's all about winning votes. That's what it is. But um, so I personally know that this was part of the the agenda that was was uh, supposed to make the Caribbean island. When they got here to Antigua, uh, they got a whiff that Antiguans either were not in favor of the gay thing and they changed the topics I was there and I, I, I left after listening to what they were saying because I began to realize that these are not people that really understand the Bible these are people with an agenda and I, I, I eventually walked out and actually wrote on the on the leaflet that they gave me are you sure these men are accredited uh, theologians because what they were saying was total nonsense can you give us just a brief uh, overview of some of the what well, you said, nonsense that was being said, just so that we can have on our radar well, what we need to be aware of. One of the things, one of the things that I think this is the key thing. Uh, 
uh, that, that really um, got me very upset. When he said the Bible is, is not about Christ, it's about us. About us. Yeah, it's about us. About, uh, you know, I, I was so shocked to hear him make that kind of a statement. From Genesis to Revelation, the whole story is about Christ. His, uh, his, his coming, his ancestry, his credentials, um, 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 his pedigree, all of that, everything. Every single book of the Bible speaks about Christ. So when, yeah. he, when he made that statement, I, it was the most outlandish statement. That I, I, but when I look at the credentials of these men, I mean, these men have got high qualifications according to what is written on the book. But it said to me that they'd been to apostate schools who are no longer, you know, a lot of these schools that um, were great theological seminaries before, Yale, Harvard, uh, even Cambridge and London, uh, these were all started to, to, uh, by Christians and, and started to do Christian training. But these are we used to be the great bulwarks of Christianity. Now they're the fountain heads of apostasy. So I'm not surprised when I see these, these, uh, these uh, schools that they've been to. Uh, I understand then where the theology is coming from. Pastor, we have a text message that has come in from St. Kitts Nevis. Good night, Pastor Murphy. Please explain the following. What is the reign of the Holy Spirit? Reign being R-A-I-N. What is the former reign? And what is the latter reign? What is the early reign? Thanks. And Joel, this may be the passage that the individual is referencing. Joel chapter 2, verse 23 says, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former reign moderately, and he will cause it to come down for you the reign, the former reign, in the latter rain in the first month? Look, I, I could give you a general answer to that question, but I would like to deal with it next week with okay. it, with it more thoroughly. This is a text that has been taken out of its context, I must say. And uh, and uh, the Pentecostals will use it to to, uh, to say that, you know, just like the first rain came at Pentecost, the second rain is going to come, and, and uh, this is what we are currently experiencing, this explosion of the charismatic movement. That's what we're saying. But uh, that has nothing to do with what Joel was saying in that particular passage. So, But I'd like to deal with it more thoroughly. And uh, I don't want to I, I'm just give you a quick answer off my head. And uh, But I just want to deal with it more thoroughly next time. I hope you read it. The, uh, the person who sent it in would allow me to do that. Thank you very much for sending that question in from St. Kitts Nevis. And I've made a note here, and we will start out next week's episode. It is Joel episode. what he said? Joel, uh, Joel chapter 2, uh-huh. verse 23. Okay. And we will start out next week's episode, Lord willing, with that particular question and have a much more thorough answer for you. Again, thank you for those of you who have already interacted with us in the episode tonight. There are a number of ways you can interact. You can go to Facebook Live, Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page, click on the Facebook Live video feed, and you can comment your questions. Thank you for those of you who are joining us via Facebook Live. If you're listening via AM, FM, or online at www.radiolighthouse.org. Welcome, and we are glad that you have chosen to listen to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse on this Tuesday evening. The name of the program is That's Truth, a live interactive program. We look forward to your interaction. The phone line is available if you'd like to call with a question. You can call one 462 7420 If you'd rather WhatsApp or text your question, you can send it to one two six eight seven eight two one four five four. Time across the Eastern Caribbean and in our studios is seven fifty five on this Tuesday evening. 
Pastor, as we transition now to uh, the topic that we've been covering for the last few weeks, that of the Word of Faith movement, can you just briefly give us a review of last week's program, maybe for the listener who's just tuned in tonight and isn't familiar with what you were discussing last week? Yeah, one of, I think we need to spend a little time on just doing a quick review. We covered um, several matters last week, especially five issues we covered last week. Uh, we talk about the new definition of faith. Uh, biblical faith has three aspects to it. Um, there is knowledge. You must have knowledge. Uh, you must have assent to that knowledge. You agree with that knowledge. But it involves a third element where you put trust in God. So uh, that's what faith is. It's faith is knowledge about God. It's given assent to that knowledge that you agree that that knowledge is true. But it's more than that. It also means that you're willing to trust that knowledge personally. The new movement uh, that we're talking about as a new definition of faith, uh, they see faith as a force, as a substance, as a power, and its uh, words are like a vehicle or a, a, a container that you can fill with faith. And when you have these faith-filled words, which are called positive confessions, it releases power that enables you to create your own reality. So you can change your physical world by coming up with these faith-filled words. And you can change your circumstances and you can manipulate the environment and the experience that you have if you have this kind of faith that is filled with words. That is something completely new. So it's not faith in God that's going to change your circumstances or, or you're able to get things done. It's, it's this power of faith that you can claim. And once you have this, this concept of, uh, of faith, it, uh, it could control what is called the laws of nature. And God has to do what you tell God to do because faith is the key that unlocks this law that moves God to, to, to action. So it's a completely uh, different concept of what faith is. Ever, ever uh, from New Testament times, right down Old Testament times, it was always faith in God. Uh, faith didn't have power in itself, nor faith couldn't manipulate God. It was when you put your faith in God that produced, produced answers. This is a completely new concept that is alien to biblical Christianity, but it is something that is pervasive in the Word of Faith movement. That is one of the things that we try to clarify, and I hope that the audience who are listening uh, can see the distinction between biblical faith and this Word of Faith, uh, faith. So you must have faith not in God, you must have faith in faith, basically. That's, that's what it's all about. It's one of the most nonsensical statements I've ever uh, come across. And I cannot explain how Christians are so gullible to embrace this kind of a doctrine. The other thing that now, we, you say so, Christians gullible are all people involved with this movement Christians? No, no. This is this okay. is a, this is a, a particular sect in Christianity that's becoming increasingly popular. But you would not find it among uh, a lot of the fundamental reforms, uh, Baptists, etc. It's more within the Pentecostal realm that this thing is very attractive. The uh, second thing that we talked about was the blasphemy about the doctrine of atonement. Uh, the Bible, biblical teaching that Christ accomplished redemption on the cross. The Apostle Paul said that he would glory and glory in the cross alone. Uh, this new movement uh, teaches that uh, at the cross, redemption was not accomplished at the cross. What happened at the cross is that Christ took on the nature of Satan. And that uh, the reason why he put on the nature of Satan because a ransom had to be paid to the devil so that the devil could release us. And so as a result of him becoming of the nature of Satan, he was taken down into hell and he was tormented by, by all the demons of hell for three days and three nights. 
And then as a result of that, he was reincarnated and transformed and became born again in hell. Uh, this is the teaching. There is no biblical base for it. There's no biblical support for it. As a matter of fact, if Christ had turned to the nature of Satan on the cross as a sacrifice, it would not be acceptable because the Old Testament had to be holy, it had to be ble- without, and it had to be unto the Lord as holiness. So it's a complete distortion of the biblical doctrine of um, of redemption. Um, so I, uh, Copeland, I want to just quote Copeland what he said. Uh, he claimed, by the way, that the church has been covering up this truth and it has cleverly used its traditions to cover up this truth all the time. Uh, that is his uh, reason when he was asked, uh, how come nobody knew this truth before? Well, it's just that the church been covering up all this. So he's the only one that somehow come to this new discovery. <laughs> you know, we should go back to Ecclesiastes, which said there's nothing new under the, under the sun. These are things that are, the, the idea of the ransom being paid to Satan is not new. This is just something that... Um, if you read church history, this was a, a doctrine that was taught by a heretical group, but now it's now embraced by this Word of Faith movement. What are they trying to accomplish by teaching that that particular doctrine? Do you, well, I, I, I try to understand... Um, is it just a mastermind of Satan trying to mislead people? Well, behind every deviant doctrine, there's what the Bible calls the doctrine of demons in the last days. Uh, I have no doubt about that as well. But um, I... I I just think that people who have been exposed to the truth for so long and have rejected the truth are actually, in a sense, judicially blind by God so that they accept mm. a lot of these errors. It's not just in the last days and the, uh, when the Bible talks about after the second coming when the man of sin would appear that those who did not receive the knowledge of the truth would be blinded. Uh, remember that God judicially blinded Israel. Uh, all the truth they had in the Old Testament, yet when the Messiah came, they rejected the Messiah. And now the nation is in a state of unbelief. Read Romans, and Paul explains that God has got them in a state of unbelief until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And I do think that God judicially blinds people who are exposed to the truth again and again. You'll meet people once in a while, Nathan, who will tell you that they can't believe or they've sinned beyond recovery or that God no longer speaks to them. Uh, Those people are very serious they they are aware that they have heard the message again and again and again and again. They've turned their ears off. They've not listened to God. And then suddenly they discover that God no longer speaks to them. It's the same thing that happened to Pharaoh, that God hardens Pharaoh's heart. I think that can also happen today as well. You were talking about uh, kind of reviewing. You talked yeah, about the, the faith, the atonement. The atonement. And then I want to talk a little about the, the, the emotion of God. Uh, and what I mean by the emotion of God, the funny thing about this movement is that while it's demoting God, it's elevating man. I, I think we'll deal with the, the godhood of man uh, in, in our program tonight. But they've demoted God in three ways, Nathan. Number one, they've made God a dependent being. God cannot do anything without faith. Faith is the power that God has to tap into. Uh, uh, so faith is the source of God's power. And God used faith-filled words to create the world. See, So he's not an independent God that can operate apart from faith. Uh, he needs faith like we need faith because faith is what unlocks the, the secret laws of the spirit world. Uh, so God is a dependent being now. He's not an all-powerful, independent being that can do what he wants to and sovereign. Uh, he, like us, have got to operate on the basis of faith. Uh, the other way in which they've limited God is that they confine God to act within the laws of the spirit world. 
it, it, just like we need to find out what those laws are to make the spirit world work for us, God has to operate on that same basis. And then the third thing is that God needs permission to intervene on planet Earth. Now, I've never heard anything more ridiculous than this one, right? But Frederick Price said these words, and I quote, Now, this is a shocker, but God has to be given permission to work in this earth, earthly realm on the behalf of man. Now, you may ask the question, well, why, why would he make that statement? This is what he believes. He believes that when God gave Adam dominion of the earth, it meant that God no longer had dominion. So Adam was given dominion and God uh, turned over the world to Adam and God could not intervene in it. So uh, he goes on to say, so God cannot do anything in this earth unless we let him in. This is uh, Frederick Price. The way to let him in is to give him permission. So uh, this is not a sovereign God. Uh, this is a God that uh, is dependent on man. And since man is the God of this world, uh, God needs man to get back in on planet Earth. So if he wants to whip Satan, man has to give him permission to come back on planet Earth to work and bring about redemption. It, it's the most bizarre doctrine I've ever heard. Now, listen, when God made Adam and gave Adam uh, stewardship of planet Earth, okay, he was not a god of the Earth. He was the steward of the Earth, reigning under God. That's the biblical teaching. But these men have carried it to another extent. Uh, and so they take it very, very, very little. So God is a dependent God who depends on faith. Uh, he's restrained by certain spiritual laws. He needs um, he, uh, man's permission to work on planet Earth. Now, if you want to call something idolatry, this is idolatry. This is, this is an idol God. This is not the Bible God. This is a humanized God. This is no man making God in his own image. The tables have turned now. God made man in his own image. No man turning back and making God in his own image. So this is what you might call um, uh, paganism that has entered the church. And by the way, uh, Copeland uh, could tell you what God looks like. I think I mentioned that last time. He's six feet tall. Uh, he has a hand span of nine inches. He weighs about 200 pounds, and he looks exactly like a human being, like a man if you see him. This is total theological hogwash, but this is what has entered the church. Right? So you now have a, a God that is limited as far as these men are concerned. As you mentioned, some of those, like you said, hogwash, uh, false doctrines, they still, even though it, you've said some of them maybe three times, three different episodes, make me cringe. And I'm thankful for this plexiglass wall between us that we have for COVID, hoping that if there is some holy lightning that strikes <laughs> you, I'm protected from it. But in all seriousness, it just makes me cringe The even more than when we talked about Mormons or Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. They, it, it's accepted so much as Christianity, and it's... Doctrine of demons. If you think you've heard anything, when we, in the later part of the program, we begin to talk about the godhood of man, and I am going to quote uh, maybe uh, more than a dozen uh, Christian leaders today who are making those statements. Hmm. You wonder how the earth doesn't open up and consume them, right? But this is the level of blasphemy that we reach today and the level of apostasy that they, in the church... Before, if a man would make a statement like that, people would walk out. Today, that has all changed because the whole mindset of the of the world has changed. It's not only the church that's saying these things; it's the New Age movement that's saying, it's the Eastern religions that are saying. Uh, so you have a whole compendium of of groups that have been emphasizing this, uh, not just in church, but also when you do um, like when you do. Um, 
these training sessions for business people, et cetera, et cetera. The, and you practice yoga and all of the, all of these basically are saying the same thing, that man needs to discover that he has uh, powers within that are so potentially godlike, but he is not aware of how to tap into those powers. And each one of these movements are teaching you how to tap into those powers to recognize your godhood. So these things are out there, not only in the world, but also now begin to creep into the church. So you have a complete global compromise, and it's leading to what is the final lie of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, that the man of sin is coming called his son of perdition, and the Bible said the world would believe the lie. What's the lie? That he is God, sits in the temple of God, claiming that he is God. The final lie is that man is God. And mm-hmm. one man will rise up and, sh- and tells you the world, this is how I came to this higher con. I am God, and you can be God too. And that's why the Bible says the whole world is going to worship him because he is, he's going to display He has found the secret that everybody's looking to, and the secret is, here's the secret to Godhood. But that is the ultimate lie that started in the Garden of Eden and will find its culmination in the, in, in the, uh, the final times. So it's not surprising that these things are happening. The fourth thing that we covered, Nathan, was the abuse text that people are using. We talked about Second John chapter 2 as a basis for complete uh, health and universal health for all believers when it's just a common greetings that uh, John was using. Then we talked Matthew chapter 18 where they're talking about agreeing on anything. You can get anything done on planet Earth. You can get two people to agree on, which has nothing to do with that. It has to do with uh, church discipline. And then Proverbs chapter 6 verse 2 and Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 talking about the power of, in words. And the idea is that that's the reason why they use that is that um, positive confession, faithful words, you can change your reality and it has power. Of course, those those two um uh, Books of uh, text and Proverbs have nothing to do with that. Uh, one has to do with standing for surety, voicing that I will stand for this guy's surety. If he doesn't pay, I'm going to pay back. And he warns that you're putting your head on the line when you do that, and that's not, not advisable. And the other one is the power of words, that your words can actually send people to the gallows uh, as a witness, etc., etc. So, But it doesn't have the idea that words in themselves have inherent power. But if taken these passages to mean that, so they talk about the power of positive confession. So you you can you can you can um, confess that you want something, believe that you want it, you're going to get it. That's what that's where all of that has come from. And then the fifth issue that we talked about, uh, Nathan, was how this uh, thing infiltrated the church, and how this apostasy that is uh, the Word of Faith movement is part of. How is this uh, part of the final apostasy that the Bible talks about? In uh, Second Thessalonians, we said that the Lord will not come except to be a falling away. Uh, we talked about that. And we, we mentioned that one of the facets of this apostasy was the Word of Faith movement. And we talked about um, the people involved, E.W. Kenyon, William Branham, uh, Kenneth Hagan, Kenneth Copeland, uh, Frederick Price, Robert Tilson, Benny Hinn, uh, Paul Cho. Also, we talked about New Thought and Occult. Um, metaphysics and also the New Age philosophy that has helped in this, this whole matter. But then we got off to talk about um, some of the major, real major uh, players. Um, we might call them the great architects of how this thing actually began to infiltrate the church. We talk about the guy Tellier de Chardin, uh, the French priest who was also a paleontologist, uh, who was an apostate Roman Catholic that the Roman Catholic Church banned from even uh, publishing his books. He was also a Jesuit. Uh, he is the guy that uh, talk about this um, 
soul power that is evolving and creating what is called a collective superconsciousness, where man will meet God at the omega point and man will merge with God. So the whole idea, this higher consciousness thing, he is the guy that is the intellectual behind it and uh, talking about this uh, higher consciousness, etc. And eventually, uh, it would lead to uh, a new age. Um, he said that a day is coming when the converging of the human spirits will transcend space and matter and mystically join God at the Omega Point. This is his quotation of what he actually uh, taught and what you actually believe. Um, so he dreamt about a humanity merging and realizing its godhood and finally becoming part of God. The other major player I talked about was a guy, Napoleon Hill. I mentioned him because he is the one that introduced the idea of mind power, positive thinking. That's where Robert Schuller and um, uh, Norman Vincent Peale, that's where they got the ideas about positive thinking from. This same guy wrote two books called The Law of Success, uh, Think and Grow Rich. Rich. And he talks about how he was led into the secret of mind power techniques that he learned from ascended masters who showed him uh, the, the different ways and means of gaining control of your mind and controlling other people's mind. Uh, he uh, wrote that book and then he wrote another book called Success Through Positive Mental Attitude. And he showed you exactly how to use his method to gain mental control uh, through this positive way of thinking. Now, the reason why I mention him is because his ideas were taken up by a guy called Ernest Holmes. Ernest Holmes is the guy that started the Church of Religious Science, also called Science of Mind. Uh, he took the ideas from uh, Napoleon uh, Hill and he incorporated them into his church, etc. Uh, so this is mind science now entering into the church. Um, I want to read what he um, what he said uh, that his church teaches, and I want to read what he said. He says, science of mind teaches that the originating supreme power of the universe, the source of all substance, the life of all living things, is a cosmic reality principle which is present throughout the universe as in every one of us. This is just pantheism. This is Eastern thought where everything is God and God is everything. It's just dignified by using a lot of technical scientific terms to kind of mesmerize people's mind. But what he's basically saying here is, is that... Uh, God is in everybody, everybody's in God, and uh, man needs to come to this higher conscience, but he can only reach that through raising the, the mind to a higher level of consciousness. So that is what he brought in to the church. Um, he made a prophecy in 1958, and this is what he said. He said that within a hundred years, his movement would become the great new religious impulsion in modern times. In other words, his ideas about the mind control and positive thinking would enter the church and begin to dominate the church. And that's exactly what we have with the, mm. uh, this faith movement. So it, 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 it is significant um, that these uh, elements of this uh, movement has entered the church through these different individuals. Another one that is, should be noted is a woman called Agnes Stanford. Now here's what she did. Uh, by the way, she is a best-selling uh, writer, a uh, prolific writer. She's also a teacher. And she is largely responsible for introducing the visualization in the church and the healing of memories in the church. 
uh, where you, you've got to like this psychologist now, Christian psychologist, who hypnotize people, hypnotize people and lead them back into their former lives, lead them back into the wound. Uh, and they're supposed, there are people talking who that discovered that they live on another planet before. Uh, some people discovered that they were salamanders, others decided they were reptiles. Uh, but she introduced this into the church, by the way, uh, this lady. And uh, I have a book by her. Um, I don't know if it's uh, one of her family members as well that deals with this inner healing and this idea of um, healing your memories. But again, it is too. Uh, heard that this thing was introduced. Uh, this is what she said. She said, God is a very life force in a radiation of energy from which all things are evolved. Now, can you imagine a woman making those kind of statements that her book is uh, brought into Christian circles and recommended uh, by Christian leaders? Uh, so, the title of her book, by the way, is The Healing Gifts of the Spirit. She's talking about another spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Mm. But that gives you an idea of uh, how this thing has begun. And then, of course, you must add Norman Vincent Peale, the power of positive thinking. Um, he, by the way, uh, credits Holmes with his ideas. So notice that uh, Holmes took Tillier's uh, ideas, brought them in, and now uh, we got this guy, Vincent Peale, and then the guy, um, Robert Schuller who borrowed his ideas from Vincent Peale and came up with what's called possibility thinking. You see, the, you see the circle? One leads to the other until now this thing is full-blown within the church. That's how we, we kind of traced uh, some of the major players of, of this movement. And um, But remember that Robert Schuller, uh, who owned Crystal Cathedral, he had an audience of millions across the world. I mean, I forgot how many radio stations he was on, and I forgot his audience. But uh, he is one of those guys that said you should not talk about sin. Uh, sin is so negative. Uh, this is a pastor, by the way. I don't know if you ever heard him. No. Uh, you never heard of his name either? I've seen him on television at Crystal, when he was a uh, pastor at Crystal Cathedral. I think he's dead now. But he was very, very uh, popular. Uh, tremendous audience. Large church. But teaching heresy. Everything is, is positivity. Nothing must be negative. So you can't talk about sin. You elevate people rather than... When you talk about sin, you demean people and you uh, you hurt them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that is... Uh, we just gave you a kind of a panoramic survey of um, the, what we covered and how a lot of this doctrine has begun to infiltrate the church. It it comes in... You know, James... Uh, sorry, Jude talks about uh, false you coming as creepers. Uh, they're subtly coming to the church. And this is what has happened with Christianity. Uh, it has opened its doors uh, to every kind of bird, as it were. And all of these doctrines are now in, in the church and creating massive confusion. And when you begin to speak out against these things, you'll be surprised that so many Christians are now saying, but you're so negative. You shouldn't be saying anything about these things. You know, These are people who are, are calling the name of God. But I want to remind people that there's a book called the Bible that is a standard by which you judge what people teach and what people preach. And when people begin to go contrary to Scripture, uh, we lift up the Scripture and we say to them that they're in error, they're wrong, it's heresy, and we call upon the church to totally reject this kind of doctrine, this kind of teaching. Pastor, I was speaking with someone this weekend, and they were referencing the fact that so much is going on in our world, whether it be riots in the states, whether it be COVID, whether it be distrust of governments. And uh, their view was the idea that 
mankind is becoming more and more spiritually enlightened. And they were convinced that in the very near future, mankind as a whole will will turn the corner and uh, war and that kind of thing will minimal will become minimal because we've become spiritually enlightened from a biblical worldview. How would you approach that? That is the most delusional belief I've, I've ever heard, but it's one that is very common. Uh, the New Age movement teaches that as well, that the uh, l- the drug movement, people involved in drugs who are talking about going to a higher con- Remember that this drug movement didn't start with the average man in the street. It started with the Huxley brothers who experimented with psychedelic, psychedelic drugs and had these experiences. And then they um, discovered that, you know, and, it, and by the way, even the American Indians using peyote and using uh, the, the drug from the cactus, when you take drugs, you do have a higher level of what you call consciousness, but it's in the world of the occult, the world of darkness. Uh, it's the world of demo- the demonic world. The Bible does not allow man to go beyond that boundary because God knows the danger that is there. Um, but I, I believe that the, the delusion, the coming delusion is, is exactly what you're saying. And the Bible talks about the man of sin is going to come claiming that he's God. He's come to that higher consciousness where he realized what you call God-realization. Uh, Self-realization is what the psychologists talk about. It's all about the same thing. Uh, that is the teaching that is in every quarter uh, that you that you go. Whether it be the the um, the the positive mental power that people have, the uh, the human potential movement, whether it be yoga. Uh, whether it be the Eastern religions, whether it be those involved in New Age, whether it be the Word of Faith, uh, whether it be Scientology, all of them are basically saying the same thing, that man is now moving to a higher consciousness, and eventually he's going to come to what is called the the Omega uh, line, and he's going to have this big leap and merge between man and God, and there's going to be this great massive leap, and they're going to lead to world peace, and, and uh, etc., and world prosperity. That is the delusion that is propelling the world towards a cliff that's going to end up to be a very sudden drop. The Bible says that this world will end with a great charismatic uh, holocaust and that there's a, this is not headed towards peace we're headed towards judgment people who hold to that view are not biblicists they're not people who read the bible these are people whose head are either in philosophy or the new age movement or some eastern religion but they're simply not people who hold to biblical truth you're listening to that's truth on the caribbean radio lighthouse we're broadcasting on 1160 a.m 92.3 fm and online at www radiolighthouse.org and for this program on Tuesday evenings we also are on Facebook Live go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page click on the Facebook Live video feed and you can comment your questions underneath the video feed if you'd like to call and be put live on the air you can call 1-268-462-7420 the phone line is open and available and waiting for you to call If you'd rather WhatsApp or text your question, you can send it to 268-782-1454. Pastor, I want us to spend some time or the rest of the program talking about how the Word of Faith movement has elevated man to a a level of God. Uh, But before we do, can you real briefly just summarize, for the individual who's listening and isn't familiar with what the Bible says, 
what is the true way of salvation? Well, I just want to quote a verse of Scripture, um, Acts chapter 16, verse 31, where the Philippian jailer, um, after he thought the prisoners had escaped and he was going to have to forfeit his own life, and uh, when he discovered that Paul did not take the opportunity to escape, even though the earthquake had set him free, uh, he was so traumatized by the events, he turned to Paul and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul gave one answer, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And uh, that's the biblical doctrine, uh, put, to put your faith and trust in Christ. Now, that's not the, that is in essence what the gospel is about, but it's an, another element of the gospel, and that is repentance. Repentance of our, uh, our sins and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the things that are required in order for a person to be saved. So if I want to be saved, I must be willing to turn away from my sin. I repeat, if I am not prepared to surrender my sin and turn away from my sin, I am not ready for the kingdom. I cannot be saved unless I'm willing to surrender my sin. I want to make that absolutely clear. Uh, saying that you believe in Christ and still hold on to your sin and you don't want to let go of your sin, you are not in the kingdom of God. Repentance of sin and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Nathan, I think that's the simplest definition of what salvation is. Now, if I'm to believe or to pray, do I have to use certain words? Do I have to use faith-filled words? Well, let me give you another another example of that. Do you remember when the uh, the the publican and the Pharisee went up to prayer? The Pharisee began to recite his normal prayer. I pray four times a day. I, I fast. I give, etc. And he gave this whole litany of accomplishments. And then the Lord said the publican went up and he just wouldn't even lift his head to heaven because he's so broken. And he just smote his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man went went down to his grave justified rather than the first man. It's not the exact words you say. It's the disposition of your heart and your cry of your heart, God save me, is enough to save any man. Without even saying, Jesus come into my heart, that people think they've got to say. Uh, the cry of for mercy and for pardon and for forgiveness and for mercy, that is sufficient. You don't need any special prayer. And I have a problem, by the way, with people who have to you have to tell them what to say uh, to be saved. You should be able to tell tell God exactly uh, what your need is. Uh, I'm a sinner. I'm guilty before you. I've done wrong. I'm evil. I want forgiveness. I want pardon. I, I, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I trust him from today. In those words, you don't have to say those exact words, but the sentiments, the idea there is what is needed. Let's let's get away the idea that there's any canned prayer that we can just pray uh, and that this is the secret to it, that you just repeat a prayer after me. You're telling God you're a sinner, you want forgiveness, you want pardon, and you're committing your life to and trust in Jesus Christ because of what he did on the cross for you. That, sir, is in the essence and gist. There's no penance. There's no confirmation. There's no baptism. Those things follow after conversion. But you don't need to do any kind of work to be accepted by God. A man is saved by faith, and faith alone he's justified by faith, apart from the law, apart from human works. Read Romans chapter 4, and you discover that biblical truth. If you have any questions about what it means to be a true Christian, please feel free to call the radio station. We would be glad to answer your questions off air and to sit down, maybe even send you some material, some Bible study material. 
The voice that you hear teaching is that of Pastor Dr. David Murphy, the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Antigua. If you are looking for a Bible teaching church in Antigua, we would love for you to come by and visit. We have resumed Sunday morning services at 10 a.m. We are located on Rowan Henry Street in Gambles Terrace, Antigua. Pastor, you have referenced for a couple of weeks now and a number of times tonight, the fact that the Word of Faith movement has elevated man to a Godhead or to a level of God. Can you expound on that? Yeah, this is a fascinating thing that we just talked about the matter that they've demoted God, made him a dependent God who depends on faith, a God who has to work and operate within certain spiritual laws. Uh, we, we, we talked about that. Um, but now when you look on the other side of the coin, uh, it is shocking that this demotion of God has led to an arrogance uh, where they elevate man almost to the level of godhood and claim that man is some kind of a god. That is, is shocking. And by the way, that, that's a, 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 a trend that is graining credibility and acceptability and is becoming an accelerated truth across the world that is received and taught in many different spheres outside the church. I want to uh, spend some time with that, Nathan, and kind of show you uh, how this is in the church and how it's not only in the church, but it's in almost every other branch of uh, uh, religion that's outside of Christianity. And it's a shocker that they're all saying the same thing. It's like there's a, a conspiracy to elevate man to godhood and to demote God. But this is the shocking thing that you'll dis, uh, discover. Uh, I want to quote some of the Word of Faith preachers and let you let uh, let you hear what they said. This is their own words. This is a guy called Frederick Price. Now, he's a TV evangelist and teacher uh, in Los Angeles. And he said these words, I believe that God made man a God. Man is a God under God. Wow. Now, this is not quoting somebody else. This is ex his exact words. Now, what kind of man, uh, preacher, and evangelist would get up and tell uh, people that? Charles Cap, uh, it's another uh, word of faith movement. He said, Adam was a god of the earth. Man was created to be a god over the earth. Adam was an exact duplication of God kind. Wow. In other words, Adam belonged to the same class as God. Adam was a spirit, God is a spirit. So they're putting God and man on the same level. This is this is blasphemy of the highest uh ilk, basically. Kenneth Copeland, another word of faith uh, uh preacher, you don't have a God living in you. You are one. This is the exact words of, of Kenneth Copeland. Uh, Robert Tilton, another faith of uh, one of these guys. Uh, he's the pastor of Word of Faith World Outreach Center in Dallas, Texas. Listen to his words. You are a God kind of creature. Originally, you were designed to be as a God in this world. Man was designed or created by God to be the God of this world. Uh, they're all basically regurgitating the same thing because they all come from one source. See? This is the lie that started in the Garden of Eden and that they are now perpetuating within the church. Uh, Bill uh, Walkman is the editor of Union Life magazine. Uh, this is the organ of Christian ministries started by a guy called Norman Grubbs, a pioneer missionary who worked with C.T. Studd. I mentioned him uh, Sunday morning in my sermon. Uh, he said this, 
why did Jesus say that they were gods? He referring to John chapter 3, verse 34. This is his answer. Because all of us are gods. All humans are incarnation of God. Since I have seen the whole thing of union, I have no problem uh, defining the will of man and the sovereignty of God. As far as I am concerned, they're exactly the same thing. So man's will and God's sovereignty are the same. Why? Because man is God. He goes on to say, I no longer seek the will of God, you know. What does he want me to do? I say, what do I want to do? Wow. Because my will and God's will are the same. They, 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 Talk they, about pride. <laughs> it's not only pride, brother. It is, it is an abomination. It is blasphemy of the greatest height. And I don't know how these men could stand in the pulpit or uh, and, and stand before any congregation and not be fearful that the earth would open up and consume them. Uh, Paul Crouch that did the uh, the TBN, okay. the owner of TBN. He said uh, when um, people were fretting about these uh, Word of Faith people claiming to be God, he said, I'm a little God. Critics, be gone. <laughs> uh, he himself have joined this bandwagon uh, of Godhood. Uh, here's a, a Casey Treat. He's a pastor of Christian Faith Center in Seattle, Washington. Uh, he has a church of 3,500 uh, people. Uh, listen to what he says, and I, I want to quote. This, this is just staggering. He said these words when he was preaching on Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. He says, The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had a little conference, and they said, Let us make man an exact duplicate of us. Oh, I don't know about you, but that turns my crank. Uh, an exact duplicate of God? Uh, say it out loud. And he's telling the congregation, I am an exact duplicate of God. The congregation repeats, I'm an exact duplicate of God. Now come on, say it. Say it like you mean it. I'm an exact duplicate of God. Say it again. I'm an exact duplicate of God. And by now the congregation is, is loud. And then he goes on and says, Say it like you mean it. He's yelling. I am an exact duplicate of God. I'm an exact duplicate of God. I'm an exact duplicate of God. Repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Keep repeating it. He said, when God looks in the mirror, he sees me. Wow! When I look in the mirror, I see God. Oh, hallelujah! <laughs> I mean, this is—that's the same mindset that Satan had. <laughs> this is the this is the the, uh, the 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 Bible says they will not. He will not. The, the Lord, the second coming, will not accept that you are falling away. This is mm-hmm. the falling away. This is the final lie that is going to be believed. The great lie that was started in the Garden of Eden will come to its fruition in these end days. Um, uh, I, I want to read something else he says. You know, sometimes people say to me, when they're mad and, and want, uh, want to put me down, he said, you just think you're a little God. Thank you. Hallelujah. I am a God. <laughs> this is, I've just quoted exactly the man's words. And that's Casey Treat. Uh, that is Casey Treat from Christian Faith Center in Seattle, Washington, uh, with a, a, a membership and an auditorium uh, that holds 3,500. And I'm told, by the way, that it's busting at the seams. <laughs> uh, how anybody could sit under a pastor uh, making those kind of blasphemous statements and not walk out, I don't know. I've asked this question before, but I want to ask it again for the individual sure. who's just tuned in. Pastor, how would you respond to the person who says, Pastor Murphy, you're pastoring a small church, relatively small church, and you're just jealous that these men have congregations mm-hmm. of 3,500 people, and you're just trying to tear them down. How would you respond? 
I have no, uh, I, I speaking very honestly, uh, I have no jealousy about anybody who has a large church. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think the larger churches, the more headache you've got, to be very honest <laughs> with you, because the most people, more people you've got. I don't know how a prosper will be able to pass a church of 3,500, 1,500, 500, etc., etc. I think that uh, there's a limit to how many people you can handle. Uh, so I don't really have any um, qualms about uh, large churches and people having large congregations. I don't envy those kind of people. I do feel that uh, you have to have an exceptional amount of talent to be able to handle that amount of people. But that's, that's not the problem I'm having. The, the, the problem is that the Bible makes it quite clear that in the end time, people heap to themselves teachers and who will play to what they want to hear. They're having itching ears. They, they want people that, they want a pastor that tells them exactly what they want to hear. And uh, they, they, they're not looking for the exposition of biblical truth. That's not what they're there for. Uh, in, in most cases, they're looking for wealth, riches, health, etc., etc. This is the message that's popular. So I don't have any envy about these kind of guys. I just think that I, I'm fearful for their day of judgment, to be very honest with you, to mislead the people uh, so gullibly. And, uh, and I think a lot of these people are really misled. I think that... And what I found, uh, Nathan, to be true, that and you can't explain it otherwise, that when a uh, people uh, almost come to become dotish over pastor. I think that the church is in danger. Uh, I think you, you need to be committed to God, committed to the Scripture, and always hold a reserve for any pastor, including myself. Um, I, I think there's a danger that a pastor can gain so much power that anything he says is believed, and there's no examination of what he's teaching in relation to Scripture. I think when that begins to happen, the church is in danger. And I think a lot of these people are not people that read the Bible. They're not people that study the Bible for themselves. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, like it is in most churches, the Bible is open on Sunday, closed on Sunday, and reopened next Sunday. There's no ongoing examination of Scripture, so therefore there's no discernment. I think that's what's happened with these guys. But I, I don't have any jealousy over these guys. I just... I just am broken that anybody can make these kind of statements and uh, are not fearful uh, of the danger and misleading people and be held accountable for the souls of men. That is my great concern. What is your basis or your authority for making these statements in criticizing what they are teaching? Well, the Bible tells us to prove all things. Uh, uh, the Bible tells us that uh, we as Christians should test the things and test the spirits. Uh, you cannot read the epistle that Paul wrote, especially the ones in the the the, part, the uh, pastoral epistles, where Paul is giving Timothy directives and making it sure that he studied to show himself approved unto God, uh, a workman rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, so we take the scriptures as the basis. It is also Old Testament scripture says to the law and the testimony if they speak not according to these things is because there's no truth in them. And then of course we have the marvelous example of the Bereans when the Apostle Paul is preaching at Berea uh, yet the Christians are examining the scriptures and see how Paul, what Paul is teaching if it parallels what the Bible is, is teaching there. And the Bible says that they were noble in doing that. So the Bible commends that. Uh, and I just think it's common sense. Uh, if you believe there's a devil, if you believe the deception in the world, and our Lord warns against that, uh, we've only got one proper tool to deal with deception, and that is truth. And there's only one place to find truth, that's the Word of God. And that becomes a standard by which we judge what these men are saying. Pastor, we have a caller. It's Nathan calling from Nevis. Thank you for calling, Nathan. And go ahead with your question, please. Yes, good evening. Good evening, Nathan. How are you doing? 
I'm not doing too badly. I'm here listening to the program. Well, I hope you... Just it as usual. Thank you very much, sir. Um, I would like you to expound on the verse in Luke chapter, 20, chapter 11, verse 24, okay. where Peter, when he passed the other day after Jesus cursed the fig tree, and saw it dry, is um, Peter called him to remembrance what happened to it, how quickly it dried down. Uh-huh. And uh, he said to Peter, have faith in God. And verse 24 says something like this. Whatever thing you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. Mm-hmm. Uh can you read the context of me, Nathan? I, uh, if it, there, please. Uh, did you say Luke eleven twenty four? Yes. Okay. I think it begins at verse twenty something like that. Okay. So I'm I'm looking at Luke eleven twenty four, and it says, "When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walk." Not, not Luke. It's Mark. Uh, Mark. Mark. Okay. okay. Mark eleven twenty four. Thank okay. you. I will pull that one up. Mark eleven twenty four says Mark 11:24 reads as follows Therefore I say unto you what things soever ye desire when ye pray believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them and I'm going to go back to verse 22 uh-huh. uh and Jesus answering said unto them have faith in God for verily verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed and thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that these things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith and the verse in question therefore I say unto you whatsoever ye desire when ye pray believe ye and ye that ye receive them and ye shall receive them verses following there's two verses following it says and when ye stand praying forgive if ye have aught against any that your father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespass but if ye do not forgive neither will your father which is in heaven forgive your trespass mm-hmm. uh, Nathan it says exactly what it says there and I think it means what it says there but the only thing I would only comment I would make that is not the only condition under which prayer is answered this is one particular aspect of teaching. There, there are other passages, for example, in John, which said if we ask anything according to his will, he will grant it. So in this case, it, it's emphasizing the importance of really believing. And if a person really truly believes that uh, a particular thing that he wants, that is God's will. Now, I can't believe, because I, I have believed that I, uh, I want a car, uh, that is not a basis for me coming to God and saying I want a car. Is this car God's will? When I really believe that this this car is God's will and I'm convinced it's God's will, then I go to go in prayer with God, to God about the matter. And if it is within God's will, it will be answered. But the, the idea that I can get anything I want is is, is actually taking the, the verse and stretching it too much because this is just one verse of Scripture. You have to look at the overall context of what the Bible teaches on prayer. And that's the danger of people. They always select one verse and isolate that verse from the other general tenets of what the, the general tenets of Scripture teaches on prayer, and just take that one verse. You can't do that with the Bible because there are other verses of Scripture that deals with the matter of prayer and the conditions that need to be met to get prayer answered. In this one, uh, it is very, very clear that you've got to believe, truly believe, in order to get 
what you want, but that's not the only basis of getting what you want. You must also, what you believe must be within God's will because the Bible makes it quite clear. If you ask anything according to God's will, He will answer it. So we've got to balance two things. And, uh, and there are other things as well, by the way, but these two things is, uh, are not opposed to each other. I can want something so much because I want it doesn't mean that God is going to grant it to me. Uh, but if I believe that this is something that God wants within God's will, that takes on a new dimension now. So I think we've got we to take uh, more than one verse of Scripture and balance out the Bible because he's dealing with one, one incident where he's now teaching here the matter of belief, but it's also a passage that teaches the, about knowing God's will. These are not things that are uh, poles apart. These are things that converge and are a part of getting the answer to prayer. So I, not only what I believe, but what I believe is within God's will. Then I can uh, ask God and it would be granted to me. But I can believe I want something, but have doubts that this is actually God's will. You're not going to get an answer to prayer. So there's more than one uh, condition of getting prayer answered. Faith happens to be one, but that's not the only one. The matter of God's will is also important and, uh, when it comes to, to uh, getting God to answer prayer. Does that help? Okay, so that, that, that doesn't go in line with these faith preachers. But that's what they would use. They, that's the point I've been making, that they take verses of Scripture. The one verse. Correct. They take one verse of Scripture, ignore the other general ten of Scripture that deals with prayer, and just use that as a basis for building a whole system of theology of prayer and miss out what the Bible teaches in other aspects of it. Because I think you can agree with me. I can want something, really want something, but it might not be the right thing for me. It might not be God's will, even though I want it. And uh, it cannot be that God will grant it to me because I just want it. God has to look at the overall picture of His will. Is this His will for my life? So I have to bring other factors into my prayer as to what uh, I want. And by the way, that's the way that um, our Lord prayer, not my will, but thy will be done. I think that that should be all our prayer. I mean, I can want something, but I'm not too sure if it's God's will. And my prayer will be, God, you know, I want this, but if not according to your will, uh, please don't give it to me. Uh, I think that's the way we should pray. Okay. God bless you. You're welcome, sir. Thank you very much for your call, Nathan. Keep listening from Nevis, and keep encouraging others to tune in. Time across the Eastern Caribbean, and in our studios is 8.45 on Tuesday evening. Pastor, in the last 15 minutes, what else would you like to share about the Word of Faith movement and the elevation of man to a God? Yeah, I just want to quote uh, another pastor. His name is Rodney R. Romney. He's a senior minister of Seattle First Baptist Church. He wrote a book called The Journey to Inner Space, Finding God in Us. Uh, this is I want to quote what he said. To understand God, it's finding that we realize our own Godhood actual statement from his book uh, Jesus was not God he was simply a man who knew the laws of God man's not a Christian uh, yeah he expected his followers to realize the Christ within them and the, in their own consciousness and by the way in the same book he recommends that you do Zen Buddhism uh, yoga uh, Sufism and, and TM now this is a pastor see that's why I said this thing has entered the church and it's coming from all directions um Leaving off the those Christian quotations I gave you, I now want to move into other groups that are teaching the same thing. Uh, take the Mormons, uh, which we have a church here in, 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 in Antigua. We've got different ones in the Caribbean as well. I think everybody knows that the ambition of every active male Mormon is to become a god. Uh, 
His whole uh, dream is that one day he would become a god and have his own world, have his own goddess, and produce children who would inhabit other planets. Now, uh, you know, how is this same concept of godhood now that was so offensive before when it was first brought up in Mormonism has now crept into the church? And uh, is being spoken of so so much. Uh, Brigham Young, by the way, uh, the Mormon president in June eighth, eighteen seventy three, when he was preaching at the Mormon Tabernacle in, in uh, Salt Lake City. This is what he says, Nathan. Listen to these words: The devil told the truth about Godhood. I do not blame Mother Eve. I would not have had her miss eating the forbidden fruit for anything. Yeah. Pastor, uh, we have a caller from Antigua. Thank you for calling. Go ahead with your question, please. Good night, Pastor. Good night, Madam. Um, question, Pastor Murphy. Yes, please. Um, you, um, if a person are unable to read properly and to understand the scriptures, yes, and they attend one of these churches where where they're teaching these false things, mm-hmm. what and they be, they really believe what the person is saying, mm-hmm. would they be held responsible? For not, um, it, it, like they go to hell, would they be held responsible? Would they be judged for that? Or is the person who misled them? Well, both would be judged. The both? person who person who misled and the person who was misled into teaching. You remember that our Lord told the people, "Listen, you don't even go to you 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 not only uh, going to hell, but you make people twice the children of hell." You remember that statement uh, by our Lord? He's aware that these people were misleading people. That's why, by the way, he left his greatest. Uh, vitriol and criticism not to the ordinary man to the religious leaders who were misleading the people the blind leading the blind mm-hmm. he said to them woe unto you snakes you white and sepulchers his venom was for those people because he saw clearly what they were doing they were taking advantage of people and uh, misleading them they were going to hell themselves and making people twice the children of hell but that's what I'm. That's what I. I like to be clear about because if I if, if I if I do not understand uh-huh. by reading for myself, I do not understand. And somebody telling me this is this is the right way. This is it. Uh-huh. How must I know that that is the right way or the wrong way? Madam, I understand your dilemma. That's where, uh, in actual fact, that's where reading is so important. I, I mean, I, I look. I have known one or two adults who can't read, to be very mm-hmm. honest with you. I know that situation. I've tried to help one in particular, and mm-hmm. um, I guess it's something about men, the embarrassment of having to uh, go to your ABC, and, mm-hmm. and you know, because that's how you have to start. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't successful because they weren't willing to go to that, even though it was to be done privately. I didn't want anybody to know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I know there are people like that. Mm-hmm. I have, a, I have a, a, a nephew in Barbados who is dyslexic. I did not understand he was dyslexic. I actually tra- tried to teach him to, to read, and he never learned to read. And he was in the church one day, and uh, you know, and this is what pastors got to be careful. They were going from person to person to read a verse of scripture. Yeah. It came to him. Mm-hmm. He was yeah, so embarrassed, he never went back to church. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm aware of the pain, but listen, uh, Madam, the truth of the matter is, if I knew of somebody that was being misled, uh, I would see it as my responsibility to try to at least to share with them uh, what the Word of God uh, teaches. But it's a serious matter for men in the in, in the church to be misleading people in this path. This is why you get so vexed and so angry and so upset uh, about this matter. Uh, and uh, but 
people are responsible. But if the Holy Spirit, a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in that person, I believe the Holy Spirit will give the discernment because he's the spirit of truth. But that does not absolve the responsibility of being able to read the Word or hear the Word. And by the way, if a person can't read the Word, there are a lot of programs that you can know, uh, like a CD that has the Word of God on it, that could just read it for you. So you don't have to have anybody read it for you. You can read it yourself. So that eliminates the, the problem of not being able to read by a person. If they can get a CD or, well, it used to be cassettes, but now you can get a CD. Even on their phones. If, you can even get it on your phone that uh, you don't need the pastor now to read or anybody to read to you. You can actually read the, the, the Bible. It can be read to you and you can, can hear it, hear the words. But it's a serious know. matter, madam. It's a real serious matter. I understand. I can hear your pain, to be honest with you. <laughs> if you I know some, someone who I was related to. Uh-huh. He's no past. And all her life, she never lived a Christian life. Uh-huh. She got, when she got sick, when she was dying, she, she, she said, um, don't worry about me. Jesus will take care of me. Uh-huh. So I don't you know if she went on to see the Lord or she went otherwise. Yeah. But... All her life, she never lived to serve the Lord. Well, all, all I can tell you, I don't want to, I, I mean, I've got to go what the book says. Mm-hmm. If a person has not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. uh, there's no way they're going to get to God, no way they can get to heaven. He she said, I believe I'm, in God and all the rest of it, but she never made a confession. Yeah, but that's what's needed, madam. That's what's needed. I mean, the Bible said the devils believe, in, uh, et cetera, mm-hmm. but the devils are not saved. It's a matter of putting your faith personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Look, there are a lot of people who believe in God. The Muslims believe in God, the Hindus believe in God, but not the God of the Bible. Something mm-hmm. completely different. And that's why, uh, you know, that's why we, it's our responsibility to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We have been given that burden, that responsibility, and we are not doing a very good job at it. Uh, that's why there's so many people who have not responded to the truth. But our job is not to save people. Our job is to deliver the message. We are messengers to tell people what the gospel teaches. And it's the Spirit of God to use the Word of God to bring them to faith and trust in Christ. But the gospel is only good news if it gets there on time. Mm-hmm. So we've got to get the gospel out to people. And uh, we have responsibility to get that gospel out. And when, when the, um, the, the witnesses teach that there is no hell... And some people believe, really, really believe that. Yeah. Uh, they're saying God is not a wicked God and He's not going to put you to, to, to burn forever and ever. Yeah. Again, again. Just, uh, two weeks ago, some, a, a witness told me that there's no hell. Yeah. My pastor is deceiving me yeah. and they're teaching us wrong. Yeah. There's no hell. <laughs> Yeah, well, listen, I, just, I was just teaching, uh, preaching on Sunday morning, and uh, I was talking about a guy called Arius, mm-hmm. uh, called the Arian, Her- Arian Her- Heresy, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that Jesus is not God. That's mm-hmm. what the Jehovah's Witness believe yes, as well. That, yes. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. but that, that is all part of the old heretical teaching. It's nothing new. Madam, all I will say to you, this is the day of deception. The only safeguard against deception is God's Word. The Bible says that if it were possible, even the, the, the elect would be deceived. Mm-hmm. The deception is going to be so subtle, so crafty, so stealthy, mm-hmm. and so convincing that uh, the Bible says, except God has shortened those days, uh, even the elect could be deceived. Right. This is where we need to get serious about God's Word mm-hmm. and get God's Word in our heart, in our minds, because it's the only safeguard against this false teaching. Okay. God bless you. Thanks for calling. God bless you too. Thank you.
Pastor, in the last five minutes of the program tonight, um, you were mentioning the Mormons. Are there other uh, religions that have incorporated this elevate man to a level of God? And I, there's so many. I got three pages here, Nathan, that I, I can't <laughs> share. I was planning to share these with the, with the audience to give you an idea of how wide and broad uh, this godhood of man uh, is being uh, increasingly uh, becoming credible among people and being pushed in, in many different different uh, movements. I don't know if you ever heard of EST. Uh, it's called the Ehart Seminar Training. Uh, the founder is a guy called Werner Ehart. Uh, he's one of those guys that do a lot of training for corporations. And the idea is basically about uh, mind power and tapping to the different methodology of controlling your mind and over matter, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, even he uh, said these words. He said, you're a god in your universe. Uh, this is a man that does training uh, in this area, in, in cooperation, et cetera. But again, that's his conclusion. Uh, Buddhism, uh, Maitreya uh, Buddhism, says that man is an emerging god. Uh, um, this guy, Yogi uh, Maharishni Mahish Yogi, that started TM, uh, he said, You know, the Bible said, Be still and know that I am God. Yeah. He distorted that and said, Be still and know that you are God. See? Uh, that's an exact quotation from him. Sun Yun Moon, that started the, the Mooney movement in, uh, in America, he said, God and man are one. Man is an incarnate God. I don't know if you noticed. But the goal of yoga is what is called self-realization. And you must look deep within to discover your true self and your higher self and to discover that you are God. Uh, so you've got to get into this higher consciousness as well. Uh, all the Eastern religions uh, teach that the self is going to merge with God. Rashni uh, uh, gave himself the title Bhagwan Shri, which is Sir God. He said, when you call Jesus, really you have called me. When you call me, really you have called Jesus. This is Rashni, the Rashni movement in the, in the States. And I want to quote one other guy, which uh, he's gone now. Thank God he's gone, Jim Jones. This is that quote from Jim Jones. He said, it is written that you are gods. He said, I am a god and you are god. And I am a god and I'm going to stay a god until you recognize that you are god. And when you recognize that you're God, I shall go back into, into principle and will not appear as a personality. But until I see all of you knowing that you are gods, I'm going to uh, be very much what I am, God Almighty. This is a exact quotation from Jim Jones, who led 900 people in Guyana to their death by, by drinking poison. Uh, but it's not just these people. Uh, you've heard of uh, Waka, the witchcraft movement. I don't know if you ever heard of a woman called Margaret uh, Adler. Uh, she says, we are gods, and uh, I might as well get good at being God. Uh, even the witches are saying that. Um, the psychologist and the New Age writer uh, M. Scott Peck, uh, I quote him what he said, God wants us to become himself or herself, or itself. He's not too sure which one. We are growing towards Godhood. God is the goal of our evolution. And then Shirley MacLaine, the book Out on the Limb, people have heard that New Age movement, uh, in that she claims, I am God. We could talk about Scientology, which is also another movement leading man towards Godhood. 
It is part of the great apostasy. There's only one true God, and that's the living God, Jesus Christ. You have to get to know him. In the last 20 seconds, Pastor, do you believe that this mindset of man being God will be involved in the end times uh, with the Antichrist, the beast, and the rising of the Catholic Church? Again, I would recommend anybody read Second Thessalonians chapter 2. That gives you the epitome of this whole thing. The man, the son of perdition, claiming to be God, and uh, sitting as God in the throne of God, the temple of God. I believe he will be the one claiming that he has reached his final phase of God to the higher consciousness. It is part of the great delusionment of the end times. Thank you for listening to That's Truth. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's Truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.